Hi, and welcome to the first episode of Progressive Outlook. My name is David, and I'm the host of this show. And basically, I'll be talking about the news and the politics that's going down and my perspective on things as a African-American point of view. And I just like to be a little bit critical of what's going on. Uh, like the title suggests, I'm a progressive person leaning left. Please subscribe or follow this uh, wherever podcast you're listening to this on, and uh, let's get started. Thank you very much. A little bit about myself. Uh, I was born in the 80s, and I grew up in the 90s, uh, born in the mid-80s and 84, and just kind of, you know, as a kid in the 80s, you know, weren't really following politics or anything, just more about what TV shows were on of cartoons and comedy shows and stuff. Um... I would say my earliest introdu introduction to things was a kid named Joe in my grade school. I was like in fourth grade. He kept coming up to us about like, are you a Republican or a Democrat? And you know, some of us knew and paid attention. Some of us didn't. And he would just start rambling on about things. But um, it goes as early as that. Of course, like later on, you know, learned a little bit more about the about politics, uh, politicians, who the mayor was my school actually we went to uh the capital in springfield and learned a little bit more yeah i'm actually reporting to you guys from chicago so yes my capital is uh springfield illinois <laughs> it's not chicago that some people would think but um yeah there you go but basically um just growing up in the 90s like i would say the big impact the first started was everyone's talking about bill clinton's scandal is affair and i didn't really care um i remember hearing about stuff beforehand with the george bush desert storm the iraq war and all that taxes here and there but i knew we were in quick war with that one thing i did like about clinton was that we weren't in war i didn't think it was necessary to go into a conflict especially with people telling me about uh, Vietnam, how that went down. My grandfather, he fought World War II and the Korean War. And I just thought that we just didn't have to keep going, into, unless it was necessary. But anyway, um, it was about Bill Clinton. I just didn't care. Um, not just that it was his business or anything, but, you know, I, there's bigger fish to fry when it comes down to politics. But, you know, of course, a lot of people were... Um, disheartened about things it, it was more about the fact that he lied about his affair rather than the fact they actually did have an affair it was a big scandal it's a big scandal affair in the white house oh wow this is kennedy levels and all but um i would after bill clinton boy george bush jr came along and that really caught my attention to things right there on that scale bush jr really did a big setback of things. By then, I was really leaning into the Democratic sphere and everything, even before George Bush started. But that really pushed me more. Just, ah, oh, man, we entered two wars. His taxes for the rich, he literally gave them tax cuts and didn't do anything for the lesser people. And then his handling with FEMA about Hurricane Katrina, like you could tell right there, like they didn't care about those people down there. It was it was a mess about Katrina and it was just everything he did was just so bad. And it made sense that at the very end of his presidency, the economy collapsed. It was a housing market that went down. And 
yeah, it was just about who was going to be next. Of course, by then, you know, Obama, he was already the nomination and everything. It was going deadhead against McCain during that part. But um, I actually fell into Obama, like, just listening to him constantly back when he was uh, campaigning with all the other Democrats for the nomination. First, it was Obama, then... Like, my friend, he was a big John Edwards guy. It started because he was, I would tell him, like, what politicians are you following or are you listening to about everything? He sent me a link of John Edwards. I ended up listening to Obama, listening to Hillary. I didn't care about John Edwards. Me as a black guy, um, it was interesting to see different faces up there. Hillary actually brought that up. She was talking about how things were changing, how things were progressive on their front. She's like, we have a Latino, we have a woman, we have an African-American. These are people who are vying for presidency. And you don't see this on the other end. And you don't. Yeah, barely. <laughs> but um, Obama, he was a very well-spoken person, very literate and very inspiring. We got elected. Yeah, it was really, really impressive. But, like, yeah, just seeing the effects of each president, what they would put in effect, what would work out, what would go on. Obama's presidency, I liked it. It was really good. Could have been better. Um, some things I didn't agree with, but that's with every presidency. But overall, he did a phenomenal job in office. Eight years, and he had a lot of pushback, but he did the best as he could. And now here we are, four years of Trump. Well, here we are. That's all. And that's actually my take of everything that lent me to that blue area of left-wing politics. I was a big fan of Obama. I liked uh, some of the policies Bill Clinton did. I liked the fact that he didn't just instantly throw us into another war. Uh, Obama ended the Iraq War. He continued Afghanistan. I wasn't agreeing with that when he was campaigning. I liked what Hillary was saying, that she would end both wars. But Obama said, we're going to stay in Afghanistan. We're going to find Osama bin Laden to what hole he is, and we're going to get him from there. He actually stood up to that promise, though, and uh, they get Osama bin Laden. The guy was actually hiding out, though. Um, where was he? He was in Pakistan, too. But, yeah, that was still an interesting feat that Obama had but it's crazy what's going on here I was planning to make this podcast a couple years I mean a couple months in advance but after all this has been going on it's just I was inspired more to actually start addressing more things um, but just to get started it was a crazy week last week um, everyone knows everyone knows because we all saw the same thing that we saw and it's just, it was an insurrection caused by sedition that Donald Trump was causing, what he was saying. And just as of right now, at least 25 domestic terrorist cases have been opened. While the FBI also, they stated that armed protests are being planned for all 50 capitals starting this week. Um. And also a group is planning to storm government offices during Inauguration Day. So right now, if anybody is working in any government office, if you know people who are over there, you know people in D.C. and these capitals, um, 
be careful and check up on your people and everything. But basically, um, they tried something. Well, something was planned for today, uh, Monday, the 11th, which was there was uh, writings that they said that they were going to protest Twitter's HQ. They're going to go. And keep in mind, these people aren't protesters. What happened last week was a protest. It was really an assault on our democracy from terrorists. It was a terrorist attack because it was against our government. That's what went down. But these people were planning to gather at Twitter's HQ because they banned Trump over the weekend. And basically no one showed up. There's a heavy police force that got there. And one or two people were there, basically. And it just dwindled down to nothing. But that doesn't mean we should take these insurgents lightly. Uh, basically, we have to take everything that is reported seriously. Um, yeah, people can laugh off about what happened with Twitter. But doesn't mean you can laugh off and just think... Well, that won't just won't go down this capital or that or anything. Let's hope. All right. Um, nothing does happen right there. And there is the National Guard being rallied. But we'll actually hopefully that these guys are actually going to do a better job than was we saw on display last time at the capital of all places, too. Um, over the week, too, of last week, um, officers, especially a. Uh, there is two black uh, capital officers. They're describing what they experienced. They said so many racist slurs are thrown at them. Of course, these are white supremacists in this group. And uh, they were saying that these people were planned. The tactics that they ran into, that this wasn't just a random rampage that went through, that these people had agendas in mind and these guys planned on what they were doing. Um, and also on uh, another front is that um, these social media platforms that they are gathering on, they're getting more worked up and wild up, too, is because, well, they all have been shutting them down. Um, Twitter, of course, they banned Trump and Facebook before that, Facebook, Instagram before that. Um, of course, he has no business on TikTok. Uh, Snapchat doesn't allow it. Even Discord this guy has no voice to connect to his people on online source. And they just basically shut down in the White House, which I was like, wow, that tells you how obsessed this guy was because he came to make a press conference. He doesn't want to. And it seems like the last press conference he did, he was upset how it went because basically he was denouncing the terrorists that went down. And now it looks like, oh, well, you know, I shouldn't have said that. Trump wants to egg these people on, which is very dangerous. But basically, um, I would say the biggest platform that went down is something called Parler. I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. If not, it's the alt-right equivalent of Twitter. When Twitter was deplatforming people earlier, they moved to something called Parler, which was more welcoming to them. And they started, they were, they just... Since they felt like they could just speak wherever they speak, it was just a mess of so many terrible things on there. And after what happened, since these what these programs and these companies don't want to be liable for anything, that they've been just distancing themselves from them. So Apple actually told Parler, like, you guys need some strong moderation. We'll remove you 
Google, they just removed them from the Google store after they did a piss poor attempt of moderating. Apple just removed them. They were like, that was just a joke. You guys are just going to be gone. And they were using Amazon server and Amazon actually shut down their server. So parlor is not a thing. Um, as of, as of now, it looks like the East Coast company might be footing their bill and try to bring them back. But, uh, we'll see what happens with that too. But it's a good thing that they're getting deplatformed and they're losing their voice because all that's coming out of there is just, just hatred, racism, and terrorism. That's literally it. Uh, that's what they were planning. And that's how a lot of these organizations, uh, government agencies are finding out about them, like what they're planning. Not just specifically from tar- Parler, but they gather online and say what they're planning to do. Um, that's one thing. Now, here's the question. So how do we get here? Where do these guys come from? I know there are Americans who are actually scratching their head like, whoa, I can't believe it got to this degree. But as an African-American in this country, you know, I was actually surprised it got to that degree. At the same time, I was like, the writing was on the wall, everyone. You know, this is from deep-seated hatred hatred and racism. And also, America not acknowledging its racist past. So, basically, the country just venerated racist Confederate rebels and their cause after the Civil War. And the country just ignored everything that's all they ignored their past and they just praised the confederate flag and the country let that happen these people praise the rebels they praise their generals and so doing that they were still holding on to that racist mentality that the country was holding on to in the past so what would you get well over time militia groups grow white supremacists and they're talking about how they miss the good old days. And they favor politicians that struck down to rights for change. Uh, they're also being xenophobic people towards foreigners. And they have a warmongering appetite just to show their dominance. It's not just warmongering in the scale of just starting war here or there. Just any sort of bullying mentality. And that's where you see with Trump. But keep in mind, times change, and over the decades, that school thought was taboo. It was really looked down. It was basically looked down upon. So what did these guys do? They quieted down. They were still there, and they took jobs and stuff like law enforcement, military, forms of power, like I was just saying earlier, just so they could bully on because their minds were just toxicated with, uh, well, toxicated just with this hatred mentality but basically the country was becoming more socially acceptable especially to people of color the lgbtq community and eventually we had a black man and a woman were competing for the nomination run for presidency like talk about a big change right there but so keep in mind the republican party which these guys were aligning themselves with um it, it basically enabled them um, they grounded themselves in a movement called the Tea Party. And the Tea Party movement was back during Obama's campaign for presidency. And they got more verbal. If you need an idea of Tea Party, I think it's uh, Sarah Palin. She was pushing that. How she was saying so much vitriol and vile things that she had followers for that. John McCain was getting disgusted by it, but he was he wanted to be president. And these are his 
voters. And that's what he started turn on that part there. But that's what it turned into. And basically, that's what the Tea Parties were. They were angry people. Eventually, they threatened congressional members and they heard hurled like racist slurs at people. Um, the Republican Party, what did they do? They still baffed them. They ner- they pretended they never heard what they were saying. They even pointed Michael Steele to be their chairman at the time. Uh, someone who now renounces the Republican Party and his previous position. He's a black man in charge and you know now we're going to show that we're not a racist inst- or racist institution or a party at all because we got michael Steele here that didn't last but guess what they kept pandering to the tea party's fears and their anger over the years and trump came in stoking them with their lies about obama especially when he was president well he was basically pandering them and then believed every they believed every single lie he mentioned and the Tea Party morphed into the MAGA supporters, these terrorists that we have here. And they ate up his lies about the birth certificates. They ate up his lies about the Mexico paying for a wall. They ate up his lies, what he was saying about the election process recently. And now it led to this coup attempt that went down last week. And these people, they are angry and they relish in it. They like policies that Trump pushed that disenfranchise people. Uh, ex- they excuse his erratic behavior and thought of other politicians and political parties as opposition. Uh, after Trump won, they, their appetite of anger, it didn't quell from there. Uh, for four years, they threatened progressive politicians or even caught planning to commit acts of treason earlier, such as the kidnapping attempt for uh, the governor of Michigan. Um, so even during the event, you can see how racism is just deep-seated in the system. Um, as a black person, we've been talking about this, especially systemic racism has been a thing, especially last year was becoming more popular among people to understand and be awoken to. Because what you saw, especially with the police at the Capitol, they were underfunded and some of the cops were actually in the groups there. You know, they were taking pictures with the rioters or they joined in with them. They were actually with them. And then you have some trying to fight against them. You have, they actually said they had people in the group trying to show their badges saying like, I'm an officer. We should be in here. So basically that's how deep this gets to. All right. And that's why it was a big double standard when we saw it. And we as black people were like, wow, that's Black Lives Matter. They would, drag, they, they would drop helicopters and tanks on us that second we would go to a step. We would not be getting the treatment they would be getting. And that's just from the white privilege. And these guys knew. They, they knew that, that they acted like they owned the house. They acted like they owned the Capitol. They acted like that they were privileged to just go through those halls and just do what they did. And they were act, actually were able to do that. So now... Basically, just keep in mind, like, with Trump gone, these guys are going to stay mad. They're basically aligned with the rebels from the start, and they haven't changed. And, well, at least they get a taste of reality these four years, right? Like, um, especially after they did their their march with the tiki torches and and stuff. (laughs) Keeping this family friendly. (laughs) But basically, they lost their jobs and their careers, or their relationships and friendships are damaged. Reputations are destroyed. Um, 
Also, they're being permanently banned from airlines and theme parks. And now, especially with the crimes that they committed, they're spending time in jail, hopefully for the rest of their lives in prison. But basically, um, just keep in mind that they were listening to his lies. All this stuff was going down at the Capitol. And there's enablers inside the government, inside, I would say, like, the Republican Party from the House of Representatives, the Senate. And also, keep in mind, even even the Trump's camp, like, no one even looked over there and thought, like, whoa, how bad that idea is right now? Like, Rudy Giuliani actually called Senator Tuberville. This is during that siege was going down, and he called him to tell him, hey, Slow down that electoral count you guys are going to do tonight. He's like, you know, you guys are going to reconvene like right eight o'clock. Just just slow it down. Make sure it doesn't go that far. So this was after all that chaos. We actually have Rudy Giuliani still thinking about the election confirmation. He was wanting the senator of Alabama to just push on this lie that Trump has been putting out there that Giuliani himself has been perpetuating as well. And we, they actually all saw what this led up to. So basically, which leads up to the next part is the accountability or a little bit of it, um, which was something that came up just over last week and this week too. Um, what we have so far on record is six people have they've died. Uh, this weekend is six because a Kate, uh, Capitol police officer, uh, he committed suicide, uh, this weekend who was caught up in that chaos. And there's actually additional footage of, uh, Cap being beaten by terrorists with the American flag. And yeah, it's just that unpatriotic that they're actually beating someone with the flag. So kneeling to the flag is unpatriotic, but you know, just harming and injuring cops with a flag to these people is patriotic. That's some crazy twisted logic. But we're still finding out more information. But it's weird because there has been a federal uh, briefing to the public about this. So this information is dropping over time just from the press, just from a little bit that's being gathered or what people are saying. Um, but basically, like, we don't know how many people are in the hospital right now. We don't know exactly how many people have been arrested. We have numbers out there, but we don't know what's a full account there, too. So we haven't been fully briefed on this publicly. But um, when it comes down to accountability, which was like the two Capitol Police officers, uh, they've been suspended. These are the guys who are involved in supporting the riot that was announced today. Um, also, just before this recording went down tonight, a Secret Service agent is under investigation for posting comments on Facebook, which was supporting the riots. And th- th- this actually leads up to something because Biden was asking for the security detail during the Obama era. And he just wanted to sweep with the guards there, which makes sense, you know, because you have these people who are protecting someone. And some of them just get indoctrinated from what Trump was saying. So it makes sense for a good change and good thinking there, Biden. And also, um, last week, the Capitol Police chief resigned. Uh, well, no, that was today. Yeah, uh, he resigned today after he uh, put in his res- resignation 
to leave on the 16th after all that went down last week, which was kind of odd, but he left today. Uh, the House's Senate Sergeant Arms, they resigned last week after um, the congressional leaders demanded their resignation. But <laughs> this isn't really enough. You know, we're getting these resignations, but this is really enough. And we do need full transparent detail that we know that the White House was blocking authorization of the National Guard. Um, it took about 90 minutes to go through, and it was Pence actually called, and he approved that. And then at the same time, Maryland was trying to get their guards in, and they were having issues as well because Pentagon wasn't, they were basically just ignoring them. This is the same Pentagon that Trump put in place back in October. So, like, how deep is this? Like, it gets so crazy with that. But hey, one last was uh, the executive director. By the way, this was very, this was tonight as well. The executive director of the Republican Attorneys General Association, Adam Piper, he resigned after the fallout from um, setting up robocalls urging these people to go and march on the U.S. Capitol on the 6th. So more accountability there as well. Um, and it's still crazy that we still haven't gotten an official federal briefing. And it seems like the government is just trying to piece everything together. But basically, um, I'm just going to go ahead and let us uh, handle our sponsors. And I'll be back with you. Welcome back, and yeah, we were just talking about the the coup that went down last week, and the resignations from it, and the news of it as well. And now we're just going to discuss Congress's response to it, not just of the people that's being held responsible, but also how to prevent more of this happening. How are they going to basically deplatform Trump? Because during that moment. They really thought of impeachment in Amendment 25. And Amendment 25 is when the vice president takes over the president's duty. president is basically stripped of their powers that he's unfit to lead. That is actually written in there. And that's actually what Trump proved to everyone. But it looks like it's not on the table. To no surprise with Pence, he had a lot of options to do that. But it hasn't happened. And which is crazy because this, they had actual mobs in there, like crazed people who were threatening to lynch him. They were saying this dastardly things about bringing harm to him as well. He should actually try to get Trump. He should actually try to push Amendment 25 and enact it. He should. But there's a few problems with that. Um, the first problem is the Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chow. She, she resigned last week, and it was actually a miss of everything that happened because of the uh, siege on the Capitol. And I believe it was the same day. It was uh, Secretary of Education, Betsy Davos, DeVos. Uh, she stepped down as well. She resigned. And just today, the Homeland Security uh, Secretary, Chad Wolf, resigned. 
And it's crazy with his recognition. He's this—he's <laughs> running Homeland Security. He didn't even reference the U.S. Capitol attack for whatever reason it was that he was leaving. He didn't reference that. Um, He—I really think he should have. Um, where was he at with that? Where's his hat at? But basically, with the cabinet resigning, is after amendment is a vote, there has to be a vote within the cabinet the senior staff that the vice president can take over. And with the majority vote, it goes through. With this happening, with these people leaving, that vote is nearly crippled. If it still goes down, I don't know how that vote's going to look like. But they have to vote yes for the amendment to go through. So what's up after that? Well, then there's the impeachment. Of course, uh, the House, they were, they were, they were working hardcore uh, Wednesday night. They actually were able to get, uh, they were actually be able to get impeachment through. Um, looks like it's going to be on the table. It's going to go down on Wednesday. They unveiled the article today, which was against Trump, of course. And saying that it was incitement of insurrection that he caused, which is true. It was sedition. And it has about uh, 210 or 218 co-sponsors. The House has the votes to impeach Trump. So he will be impeached. It looks like he will be impeached on Wednesday. And then there's going to be the vote from the Senate to remove him. Now, this this sounds very familiar because this is his second time being impeached. He was impeached last year as well. And what happened was when a lot of people got excited when he got impeached, a lot of people found politics new with this Republican Senate that back then he wasn't going to get removed. And hopefully with this one, after what happened, a lot of Republican senators have been turning away from Trump. They've been trying to distance him. Uh, not just is he toxic, but they also just are mad at the assault on democracy that went down. So will we get a removal? Possibly with it. Um, now, Mitch McConnell was saying some things. Mitch McConnell, he's always saying some things. But he was saying, he was basically saying that, uh, well, the Senate will be able to convene um, right before, an hour after Biden is elected, the Senate will be able to convene to remove Trump to continue the hearings. And he's saying it's outside of his hands. Well, basically, um, the Democratic Senate Minority Leader, Chuck Schumer, called him out on it. And he said, well, hey, there's a way we could get this given if you're having trouble with it. We'll both vote to agree and we could get the Senate to agree. And we'll get the Senate to convene immediately. So there you go with that. Hopefully they will convene and we will get a removal. Even with that, that removal going down, like with this impeachment, Trump won't be able to run for office. So his 2020, his 2024 dreams will be shot. He won't have security detail. He won't have any more benefits. And I don't think this guy is even going to get a presidential library. It's going to be a library full of rebels. That's all. (laughs) But basically, there's also one thing that came up too. Um, I didn't think about this. I'm a big history buff. And it's called uh, the 14th Amendment. Now, whenever I hear the 14th Amendment, the first thing I think of is how it... uh, Let me quote it for you guys. Granted citizenship and equal civil and legal rights to African Americans and slaves who have been emancipated after the American Civil War. People who were slaves, 
you're, they were free the minute beforehand, and now they are American citizens. And that's one aspect with Amendment 14. But there's other things thrown in there, too. Uh, Article 3 in there, which in detail basically says, in quote, we're going to go from the top of this one because it's really, really big and it's really, really deep. But, quote, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who havingly previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislator or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. So it prohibits anyone who engaged in any insurrection or rebellion just can't have any business in the government or any seat of power. And that's one thing, too. We're going to see if we can actually remove those people as well. But uh, that was all the news that went down at the Capitol and everything. It just in the brief, <laughs> brief, brief, brief 30 minutes, uh, sort of. But additional news uh, as well was uh, it's weird. So Trump's administration put Cuba on the list of state sponsor of terrorism. Um, it's like they're still doing uh, the undoing of Obama's work and just saying that Cuba is a list on sponsor of terrorism. It's a lie. That's not true. Cuba hasn't even done anything, which is strange because the sponsor of terrorism is now the seat of power where Trump is because he literally did that on Wednesday. And now, like, for example, two officers passed away because of him. Um, what is it? Four of those people who were taking part in the insurrection died. These people, their mind was drones. But they were being egged on by this guy who kept pushing the same rhetoric over and getting them worked up. He knew what this was going to lead to. He knew what was happening. Actually, of course he knew. He actually told them to go to the Capitol. He actually was telling them Mike Pence doesn't do his job. Like, are you kidding me? That's the guy who's working for you, for Christ's sake. <laughs> but basically, another topic was uh, the Democratic Congress. They were preparing to ban criminal executions as well. Uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, I'm really pleased with that. Uh, executions cost more than keeping people in death row. Uh, that's a common misconception because keeping them on death row is cheaper than actually paying for the execution setting them up for it and everything and the equipment on that and not just that but most importantly a lot of innocent people um they have been able to get a second chance an appeal and they still die uh there's people up there like for example when the D dna evidence comes through for something and you can still go through it takes a long time for a lot of evidence there's still people on death row we don't even know if they should be on death row or not if they just had the wrong call on it, they try to get appeals for it. And yeah, like Trump's been executing people a lot now, but that's one thing. Democratic Congress is going to make a federal ban on that. So it'll be all over. So Texas will even be able to execute people. So I actually should check that up and make sure I got that right. But um, one, one other thing is um, 
leads up to the coronavirus, but lawmakers have been exposed to the coronavirus. Uh, Congresswoman Booney Watson, for example, she's been exposed now. And the event started during the siege on the Capitol while Congress was in lockdown. Um, they were handing out masks for everyone because they're in close proximity to each other anyway. And a lot of Republican senators and congressmen and women were just turning them down politely. One person actually said, I don't want to be, I don't want to make a political statement or I don't want to be political and turn down a mask. And, uh, well, because of that, now we're, they're getting their colleagues sick. So this is something that they're still not taking serious. And it should. Uh, just this year, 30,580 people have died from the virus. We're only 11 days into this year. So let that sink in. Of course, hopefully Biden, he has great safeguards when he goes in office and things will turn around when he gets started with things. Just keep your masks on and social distance from each other and make sure you're just uh, going out and just getting essential things or going to your work and everything, just being smart as, as in general. And, you know, we'll be able to hopefully just end up with the same numbers as New Zealand, almost nothing. Uh, no, like seriously, this year, I think they have, what, like 56 cases. That's it. Um, I don't think they have any deaths at all uh, this year, even though it's 11 days in while we're on the totally opposite end with it. So I think that would be a really, really big turn of it. But just leave things on a note with that. Um, just be safe. And uh, thanks for listening to my show. Again, uh, go ahead. Give this a follow, uh, either on iTunes or Spotify, whatever platform you're using to listen to this on. And go ahead, give me some feedback. Also, um, if you can, go to anchor.fm slash progressive outlook. You can leave me a message on there. Um, again, my handle on Twitter is at a guy called Dave. And I'm going to end this on a quote. A quote from Marcus Tullius Cicero. It's regarding the second Catalan conspiracy. What was it? Um, there was a senator named Lucius Catalinia, and he lost his election against Cicero. And out of that, he gathered several people, I would say, aristocrats, veterans, and he was going to overthrow the Republic, assassinate several officials, and destroy the city of Rome. Cicero found out, called him out twice in two speeches, Catalan ended up on the run and had a pitched battle against the Romans and lost. And a short quote from the speech that Cicero said is the following. The enemy is within the gates. It is with our own luxury, our own folly, our own criminality that we have to contend. 